Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello and welcome to Recent Activity, your new favorite entertainment review podcast that attempts to cover every film, every show, all at once. I am your co-host, Andrew Morgan. With me, as always, is the international man of mystery, Shane Beauregard. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. I'm ready to roll. I'm excited about tonight's show, buddy. Of course you are. This is a Shane show, man. This is complete action all fucking day long. <laughs> so, and you've been the one, you know, behind the scenes here gobbling up a lot of these action films that I haven't even seen yet. So, we'll get to some of them, but we'll start obviously with the ones that we both have seen, um, which unfortunately, outside of uh, Dungeons and Dragons, which you did see, the other ones are either not doing so well at the box office or not doing well critically. So it's a very mixed bag of films that we're going to go over. We'll start with Guy Ritchie because he is a guy that when we did our action preview for the year, we talked about, you know, he had multiple movies coming out this year and in very quick succession, he had Operation Fortune Ruse de Guerre, which had this weird release thing. Do you remember this? Where it was like, hey, look, it's out. And then like it got pulled. And then like two months later, it showed up again. You're like, what the hell is going on with this? <laughs> so obviously, I don't think that did very well, at least on the box office. Uh, and, uh, and then over the past week or so here, The Covenant came out as well. Uh, a very different tone from Guy Ritchie in doing a, a war film that I believe is based on a true story, right? They showed the pictures at the end, I believe, of those, the real people. Yeah, from what I understand, it's like he took a bunch of different uh, stories and weaved it into one movie. Right. So yeah. so let's start with him first. Let's, let's get the background here. So where are you with Guy Ritchie these days? Because his career is very much all over the map. I mean, I, you know, he starts off kind of like an indie crime darling, you know, with uh, Lock, Stock and Snatch and all that. And then moves on to doing like blockbuster stuff with Sherlock and everything else. And, uh, and, and he did a, did he do King Arthur? What was, he did like a medieval film as that's, well, right? Yeah, that's where he started a bomb was King Arthur was like his downfall for a little bit. Right. Yeah, he got locked into trying to do bigger scale movies and trying to bring his style into it. And then here we are where he has somewhat of a resurgence getting back to basics. But even then, he's kind of all over the map. So where are you with Guy Ritchie right now? Uh, honestly, he's someone who's always been in my top five directors of all time for me personally. Coming off his, like you said, his early indie work with Lockstock and Snatch was my, is my favorite Guy Ritchie film. But how long ago is that? It was 2000, um, I believe. Yeah, it's very old now. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I did like his Sherlock Holmes movie. And then again, he kind of lost me with the King Arthur because even I'll admit that was just terrible. 
And then he did, I think, the live action Aladdin movie, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, is, and I that, think that might be right. Oh my god, yeah, yeah I forgot about that. <laughs> and he and that kind of bombed. And then he made a resurgence with the gentleman and the Wrath of Man. And I'm like, this is the guy Richie that I like. Especially the gentleman kind of bought me back into his bag. And we'll yeah. get into this film, but yeah, so he's had just a nice bell curve career. But he's always remained in my top five, man. I have a soft spot in my heart for that guy. I love Guy Ritchie. Yeah, I like him when he's when he's at his best. It's a ton of style, very kind of like almost like a speakeasy type vibe to his thing, where it's like this like smooth music and cool characters and British accents and all that stuff. It's got this very hip vibe uh, to use a term that's way before even my time. But like <laughs> you know, it's. He's got a great aesthetic that I've always liked. And even some of his, you know, he fell in love with that kind of like start stop action stuff. He fell in love with like the slow motion stuff. And, you know, I I, I hung with all of it. I agree with you. I, I'm kind of the same way where, you know, I, I dug the Sherlock movies. That's kind of already in my bag. I love that kind of stuff already. And then to add Guy Ritchie's style and, and, and RDJ and all this other stuff. Perfect casting, Jude Law, Rachel McAdams, love those people. Great stuff. So, but I agree with you. My favorite stuff is when he's doing what I would call like the classic Guy Ritchie, where it's like it's Lockstock, it's Snatch, it's The Gentleman, and things like that that really feel his style. You know, uh, it's kind of like with Tarantino. Sometimes he'll go off and do a different type of genre or whatever, but it's still got that dialogue and that like beat structure to it that you know you're watching a Quentin Tarantino movie. Guy Ritchie has a very similar thing. Even when he does large-scale IP, you kind of know you're watching a Guy Ritchie movie. Exactly, exactly. And so for the latest ones here, I will say it's a mixed bag, <laughs> which mm -hmm. is weird because I thought we, when we talked about the two movies coming out, Operation Fortune, Bruce to Care, and The Covenant – I chose Operation Fortune as the one that I thought was going to be the better one before we saw them. And it was mostly because I thought this is the type of movie I like from Guy Ritchie. It feels like it should be in the bag of those other type of crime, you know, cool crime movies that he's known for. And then The Covenant was like, oh, I've never seen him try to do a movie like this. So I don't know what we're dealing with here. And especially... I like Jake Gyllenhaal. He takes big swings, um, but again, it you know he was in Jarhead, right? Where uh, mm -hmm. you know he could do the the wartime stuff, but that's been a while too. So I didn't know what to expect. But I will tell you right now, my opinion is completely flip flopped. Um, not only with how strong the Covenant is to me, but also how meh and lifeless that I thought Operation Fortune was. Do you feel the same way on that? I do, and I, we made our choices. I was, I think, the only one of us who was looking more forward to The Covenant you than did, I was yeah. Operation. I'm a huge Jake Gyllenhaal fan. He he does make some bold choices and take some big swings, but I still, feels like, I still feel like he doesn't get his just due, man. I think he gets overlooked a lot of the times. He does. And... But, man, he has some really strong performances, and he had one in this movie here, man. Uh, like you, I love, love, love this movie. Yeah, I, you know, not to put uh, our scores out too early or anything, but, you know, to me, I think you said you were struggling to, to you know, imagine if this is a number one movie of the year for you or not. 
and I have to say I'm in the same way. Like, it's really hard for me to pick this over John Wick 4, but they're two, you couldn't pick two different movies, uh, even to just call them both action movies. I mean, John Wick is all action, thin story, and then this one is com- really compelling story with some action in it that does work. Um, you know, cause it's military action, it's fighting the Taliban and everything else. So it's a very different, it's so hard to compare them, but I will say that they are very much neck and neck. It's so hard to say because I put my neck out saying John Wick 4 was a five-star movie. So for me to say <laughs> that they're equal, am I also saying this is, and I don't know if I am, but I will say there's no fat on this movie. I, I no. like it, it is currently the scores are mostly consistent. Um, it's an 83 Rotten Tomatoes score with an 8.0 IMDb, uh, a 98% Rotten Tomato audience score, 63 Metascore, and a 3.7 on Letterbox. So it's all very strong uh, in terms of the the critical response. Um, just to catch people up, because this movie only made $12 million at the box office. So y'all need to go out there and watch this damn movie. It's incredible. And it, for everybody who's like, oh, they only showed the same type of movies in the movie theaters. Yeah, go support stuff like this so we can get more of them, please. That's what my thing uh, is in that regard. So audiences need to step up. Um, this is about a local interpreter who ricks risks his own life to carry an injured sergeant across miles of grueling terrain during the war in Afghanistan. This movie stars Jake Gyllenhaal, as we've been saying, as Sergeant John Kinley, Dar Salim as Ahmed, uh, the boys Anthony Starr uh, popping in there as a uh, private military contractor, Eddie Parker, Alexander Ludwig from Vikings as Sergeant Declan O'Brady, Johnny Lee Miller uh, as Colonel Vokes as well. Uh, there's more. There's even more than that, but that's all I really kind of like wrote down. This is, of course, as we've been mentioning, uh, it's co-written and directed by Guy Ritchie, uh, written alongside his other writing partners as of late in his last, what, I think four movies, uh, Ivan Atkinson and Marn Davies, uh, who did a lot of the ones you mentioned, The Gentleman, Wrath the Man, Operation Fortune, and The Covenant are all co-written with these guys. So it seems to be that's his nucleus now. Right. Um, and, you know, this movie, uh, The Covenant, to me, it checks all the boxes. It's got solid direction. The cinematography is great. Uh, you know, the I thought the score was excellent. Like I usually, you know, I'm not like completely deaf on the music or sound stuff sometimes, but when it stands out, it stands out. And I thought this one was really, really strong. Um, so that's, that's where I would say, uh, this does its best job. It's also for a military movie. It's not preachy, even though it's topical and relevant because they did make mention of course, of certain, um, exit strategy issues with the, the leaving of Afghanistan, even though, you know, all those interpreters on the ground who lived there were promised certain things. A lot of them have yet to receive, uh, the visas to get them out, even though they put themselves and their families in danger, which gets to my next part is that it's also a weirdly pro-military movie, even though it has hints of anti-government. So it kind of balances out. And I noticed when I was leaving the movie theater, 
uh, I noticed a lot of people who um, are similar build to you, Shane, and were wearing a lot of combat boots and driving a lot of Jeeps out of there. So I think maybe this hit, did hit a certain response with the military uh, background audience as well. Um, is that what interested you, too, or is it just the general Guy Ritchie, like all the whole package, it, I guess? It was the whole package. It was subject matter because I, I do like a lot of the military movies, but you package that with Guy Ritchie, which is something new and different from him. And the fact that Jake Gyllenhaal was a lead, which you don't really seem like you saw him in Jarhead, but this is a different, way different movie than Jarhead. Yeah. So it was a trifecta between those three. And that's what kind of drew me to this movie. Now, when I saw it, it like you said, people go to the theaters, please. I saw this. There was one other person in the theater when I saw this film. One. Well, you've been getting the blue, uh, the bluebird special though, the, like the early bird I special. Have, you know. But this was seven o'clock on a Thursday night, buddy. Okay, that's at least in previews or what have you. I saw, yeah. uh, to be fair to the movie, uh, I did see it on a Saturday night, and it was reasonably packed. So, And that was at an 8.15 showing or what have you. So I'm hoping that this gets word of mouth and starts to you know at least snowball into a decent amount because the budget on this, if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere in the mid-50s. So right. I think for them to really recoup... They need to do a little bit more, although this is similar to um, Air in the sense of that this is a movie that Amazon slash MGM acquired. And so I think it's going to be like use the the uh, theater as kind of like almost a marketing tool to get them to watch it on Amazon Prime probably in a few weeks, right, I would ima imagine anyway. So um, which, again, I would hope that you want to see this movie in a theater people but you know obviously if it does get a quick hook and uh end yeah. up on uh you know rental before it goes on prime video or what have you i would say you know watch it any way you can but i would mm -hmm. recommend the bigger screen uh experience because again it has that wartime action and you know i want to see people support these type of movies yeah absolutely man and getting back to what you said it's the most uh, straight-on directed film by Guy Ritchie. Like, I like a lot of his overhead shots. I, I do like a lot of his, his, but it's not your typical Guy Ritchie directed film. Yeah. It's probably his most conventional film he's directed. And, man, did he just paint a masterful stroke. And the one thing that did stick out to me was the score. Like, it hits. Like, you notice when the score drops in there. Oh, and yeah. it was synced. It was synced beautifully with the structure of the movie, man. It hit every freaking note. The chemistry between uh, Hall and Dar Salaam was just great. Like, uh, kudos yeah. to Dar Salaam because I had to look him up. He looked semi-familiar. He was in Black Crab, but I don't remember him in Black Crab. <laughs> so. I know you're talking to the, the Netflix guy, but I never got around to Black Crab. So yeah. that's the Numi Rapace movie? Yes, yeah. yes. But Hall's performance in this movie with the emotion, the struggle that he the internal struggle that he goes through in this movie... Like a couple of the speeches gave me chills and I wish I would have wrote them down, but I was too busy trying to like soak in the movie is when he kept having those nightmares in bed and he finally popped out and, you know, he had the sweat ring around his neck and he yeah. was giving his wife this speech about him not being able to rest and not being able to sleep. And he should be in the that gave me chills. And then when he actually, you know, went into the colonel's office and was like, you know, you you're going to do this for me because X, Y and Z. Yeah, that speech gave me fucking chills, man. Like. Yeah, it was just I can't exude enough just good whatever adjectives in praise on this movie. 
And uh, yeah, man, it just hit every freaking note. And like you said, I had a client who was like, oh, it's probably pro uh, art. I'm like, no, it does a fine job balancing the two. It really does. It shows you the good side and it shows you like how we fucked up, you know, lack for a better term um, with how we handled a lot of these interpreters, man. Like, yeah, but just a journey from how we got him across across that terrain was just like, oh, I was on pins and needles, man. Like, yeah. Yeah, Just to me, great. I, I echo those fears, though, and I wonder if that's what's affecting the box office maybe slightly um, because, yeah, this movie isn't as preachy or one-sided or anything, whether it's Jarhead on one side of your political spectrum or whether it's, uh, like, American Sniper on the other side. You know, this is not either of those movies at all. It just tells an incredible story of, you know, bonding within combat, doing the right thing, um, you know, standing up for for what you believe in. And it's intense and it's really yeah. well done. And honestly, the, the impressive thing for me, you were saying how straightforward it is, and I absolutely agree. Guy Ritchie doesn't really put his stamp stylistically on here, though he does mm-hmm. just enough. Because it's so hard with some of these movies, especially when they're set in the Mideast, that, you know, it's that all desert terrain. It's hard to, like, really differentiate too much in some of these uh, spots to kind of, you know, get a time and place and fixture. God, did they did do such a great job of, like, showing the, 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 the mountainous terrains and which way to go through these villages and really kind of show the difference oh. between them enough to... to make a perfect landscape you know what i mean so yeah absolutely they were painting a brush yeah sorry to cut you off but there is a part of the movie where uh this isn't a spoiler he has him in that cart he's trying to push him up the hill at that point i'm like man i love you but this is much this is as far as i can take you (laughs) i know (laughs) i I was ready to quit (laughs) (laughs) totally i think i would have (laughs) left i know especially like how long he had to be out there doing that oh my god yeah it just comes to a point be like all right I can either push you over this cliff or I can push you up the rest of this mountain. It's like, eh, well, we had a good run. <laughs> but, yeah, no, I agree, man. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. I, I, I like the story so much that, like, I didn't really focus crazy hard on the performances, if that means anything, which is a good no, yeah, thing. No, yeah, makes sense. Because yep. it just kind of all blends together in a very – rich tapestry of how they kind of mesh this movie together and made it so unique for a story that could be in a different person's hands. I think this could have been uh, like kind of bland and I think they knocked it out of the park. So, you know, it's a thumbs up for me. It's probably, it's somewhere I, I, I can't fully put a, a number on it, but it's gotta be around that four and a half at minimum because I really <laughs> like this movie. And it's hard yeah. for me. I don't know. I I have a so such a hard time giving like solid fives. But like I said, there's really nothing wrong with this movie at all. No, here, like I came in nitpick. Yeah, I know. Here's my rationale, and I'm going to put my number on this one. All right. Uh, I, I agree with the audience score more so than the critic score on this one. And we we already mentioned I go back and forth between this and John Wick, and they are vastly different movies. Yeah. But if I'm struggling to tell to tell you what my favorite movie of the year is between these two, and I gave John Wick a five, I gotta give this a five, man. I, I don't blame you. I don't it blame you. Fa- it is my favorite Guy Ritchie film since Snatch. If that should tell you anything, that's probably true. 
and because I I couldn't even come like you know because as much as I like the gentleman or Wrath of Man or any of those and and the early Sherlock ones, yeah, it's right there or better. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. That's uh, that's a struggle. I might have to really pour <laughs> over that. Do like a Guy Ritchie power ranking. Uh, <laughs> thing on my letterbox so stay tuned people you might see me nerd out <laughs> soon enough um but here's the thing and, and again i don't want to belabor it but on the opposite spectrum operation fortune just didn't work for me i, I could see why that movie got like this weird kind of release and i think it really got hit hard with that in terms of its box office response and what have you but just even movie wise i thought it was limp I did. Oof. I didn't really. I didn't feel any like propulsion in the story for something that's supposed to be kind of this mystery puzzle box crime thing because you're trying to figure out what was stolen and and who's got the angles and all these other things that should be full of intrigue. And then when it really kind of unfurls, I just didn't care at all. And this has a lot of people I like in it. I mean, it's Jason Statham, it's Aubrey Plaza. It's the return of Josh Hartnett. Uh, it's got you know Hugh Grant, who usually does really well in the Guy Ritchie movies, um, especially obviously the the Gentleman. And I just couldn't care less. This movie, I was ready to fall asleep halfway through. Uh, yeah, I probably liked it just a little better than you did, but it was laboring in parts. It really was. It lacked kind of that fun factor. Yeah. And the funniest scenes were the Josh Hartnett, you Grant. I thought those were the best True. parts of the movie. Yeah. They made me laugh so freaking hard. His affection for Josh Hartnett and the, the actor that he was was great. Yeah. It reminds Aubrey me Plaza. of the uh, Nick Cage movie with yeah. Pascal. Like the, yeah, exa- yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Unbearable right. way to massive talent. It reminds yeah, me of that good- kind of like fawning over the movie star thing. Yeah. Good call there. And I like Aubrey Plaza's little different role for her. But, uh, you know, listen, man, I watch these movies, especially when Jason Statham's in a guy reaching. I want to see Jason Statham do Jason Statham things. And he did it a little bit. Only really like towards see, the end. It yeah, wasn't much. towards the end. And I liked, you know, good to see Carrie Elways on film. I always liked Carrie Elways. And sure. he was fine. Yeah. But again, this movie felt labored. It just was boring in parts. It just didn't connect. There was something missing from this movie. I expected more. I guess team on team betrayal, double crossing kind of thing, and at the end, I'm like, "What are they stealing?" And who cares? Like, what? I know, yeah, an yeah. AI, and we're talking like we're robbing billionaire, nameless, bil- faceless billionaires. Practically, it's like, and we have competing uh, squads that work for both the same governments, like private contractors. It it was messy. It just it didn't it nothing clicked. Like it was yeah. a lot of things that on paper, if you told me. It's Guy Ritchie. It's a crime thing. It's you know trying to you know go undercover and do I. I'd be like, yeah, that sounds great. None of it clicked. Nope. None of yeah, it clicked. You're right. Me. So to me, this movie is like a two, two point two five at best. You know, somewhere like I, I, it was lifeless. I could, I would not watch it again. Right. I, I, I think I gave this a two and a half. I did. Uh, yeah, just because of the fair. cast and and stuff like that, but. You know, out of the four recent guy Richie movies and his resurgence, this is my least favorite. I mean, oh yeah, uh, yeah, my least favorite. I will say in, in closing up the guy Richie thing, 
Even though that one was kind of a miss, I hope he stays with his creative team he's got going on right now because three yeah, out working. of four is not a yeah, it's not a bad batting average, buddy. No. So I'll take it. Just keep pumping this. Did you find it? I, I meant to ask you this when we were uh, reviewing The Covenant. Did you Of all the Guy Ritchie movies, The Covenant is the only one he put Guy Ritchie's The Covenant in front of it. Did you find that kind of odd? Because I found that kind of weird that he would he all of a sudden go out and do that. I wonder because maybe he liked this movie so much that he wanted to put his stamp on it a little bit yeah. and maybe thought he can use his name to sell it. Because okay. on paper, The Covenant is, I think, a movie that's been it's been the title of a movie multiple times over. So maybe they use that as a differentiator or like a, okay. you know, a searchable thing um, on top of the fact that this movie originally wasn't even called The Covenant. It was called The Interpreter, and they changed that last minute, too. Um, so I wonder if it's just all posturing and maybe okay. because he uh, he has his hands all over it you know his usual right. directing writing producing kind of thing that maybe he just r- felt really strong about it um so either way you know good on him that's cool yeah but yeah i'm looking at his uh imdb now just to see if he uh has anything more uh, upcoming um i know they have that the gentleman tv show i don't know how much he's involved it does say written by but it could be based on character stuff um, and then he has the Ministry of Ungentlemanly Warfare, um, <laughs> which is interesting. Uh, looks like a, another kind of war drama. Uh, British military recruits a small group of highly skilled soldiers to strike against Nazi forces behind enemy lines during World War II. So he's going back in time, doing a period piece that looks like it might be out for next year. And it's got some you know, usual people that we like. Henry Cavill, Carrie Elwes, you know, Alan Richens, R- Richson, uh, you know. Yeah, Reacher. Reacher, who we, who we love that show. Um, so Henry Golding, a lot of other good people here. Um, it doesn't seem like maybe his usual writing team, though. So maybe your, uh, your hopes on that for them to keep going with that is not the same. It seems like uh, there's four people who are in on the screenplay, including Guy Ritchie, and it's not his other guys. So ah, okay. we shall see. It's based on a Damian Lewis book, so that's always intriguing as well. So more to come, more Guy Ritchie you know, doing more war stuff. If he does it as well as The Covenant, I am not complaining. So uh, look for that next year. But as for stuff that has already been out this year, we wanted to do a quick kind of like, let's do a quick kind of like thumbs up, thumbs down on some uh, some action films that have come out in the last uh, couple months here. Uh, we'll start with Renfield because we both saw that. Yes, uh, people want to call it, you know, horror comedy. They want to call it whatever. But there is some big time action set pieces in here where they truly felt like, I think, to differentiate themselves they almost went like we need to put a John Wick kind of like action pieces <laughs> in the middle of a Dracula movie. So, and I know that it comes with some power, of course, with the you know the Dracula, the vampire stuff, and the powers that are given to Renfield himself. Um, so, <laughs> but man, they really amp it up at times where it's just it's explosive. There's a, you know, scenes, you know, again, going against the mob and doing all this stuff. So buckle up if you haven't seen it. But to me, to me, this is a thumbs up. 
I had fun with it. It's not an enthusiastic thumbs up. It's got problems. It kind of loses its way in the second half, I thought. But if you even remotely enjoyed the trailer, I think you'll enjoy this movie because I think Nicolas Cage is tremendous in this role. He gets the assignment and he takes it. I thought Nicholas Holt was very good. Aquafina, who I can always, you know, love or leave. I didn't love her subplot, but I thought she had good chemistry with Nicholas Holt and it worked uh in terms of that. The stuff with her sister and her dad, I could honestly care less. I think that was padding for a relatively short movie. Um but overall I would say it's fun. And I think I don't know if I'd be like, yeah, let's do more. But I think this is a it was a it was a solid entry when you're talking about how many failed movies we've had, either in the vampire Dracula genre or even all those universal monster stuff. So what do you think about Renfield? Yeah, I echo a lot of what you said. I like uh, Nicholas Holt. He's fine. Aquafina was good. I, like you said, I didn't care about her sister plot and the, the father plot. You know, the downside is some of the dialogue was kind of hokey and cringeworthy. Um, Especially later end, on. I, yeah. yeah, it got really like the screenplay needed some work. But the runtime was perfect at an hour and a half. It moved very quickly throughout the movie. Absolutely. As I told my clients, if you want to if you want to watch Nicolas Cage play Nicolas Cage playing a vampire, this is the movie for you. Yeah. I mean, he just like he's had you could tell he's hamming it up and having fun. Yeah, and all eyes, on, all eyes on him. He totally. was fantastic in this vampire role. I loved his charisma. Again, it's Nick Cage being Nick Cage, man, and it worked in this movie. And I like the chemistry between him and Nicholas Holt. It it was great. So I give it. I think I scored this a three out of five. I gave it a thumbs up. It's you know if something's on on the weekend, it's on like you know TNT or TV. Like I'll throw, I'll leave it on while I do stuff. Like it's That's that exactly kind of movie what it for is. That's yeah. exactly what it is. It's a fun three out of five that, you know, could be a background movie on a Saturday afternoon while you're folding clothes. <laughs> this is yep, exactly, exactly what that right. movie is. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, either check it out while it's still in theaters, because, again, it kind of bombed. It kind of bombed hardcore. I remember it was like a big deal that it made less money than The Pope's Exorcist with oh, Russell no. Crowe. So that's tough because they marketed the shit out of this movie. And they certainly just, did. It just did not work. So I would say Renfield is a watch. Go check that out. Um, the next movie is something I believe just came out this past weekend. Um, Ghosted on Apple TV Plus, which we've been singing their praises in a lot of different ways. Um, you know, with how good Ted Lasso's been. You've been watching the, what is it? The Big Door Prize. Big, what is that one? Big Door Prize. Yeah, yeah, you've been watching that one as well, and we've been talking a lot about the the movies and miniseries that have worked for them, but this one's getting raked across the coals, <laughs> so I did not watch this. You did check this out, Ghosted, a uh, kind of, uh, you know, Romancing the Stone, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, some kind of thing with Ana Diarmas and Chris Evans. Uh, how did this work out for you, buddy? I feel bad even wasting oxygen on talking about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh it just didn't work on any level like none um it you want to talk about labored like this movie i think has a runtime of right at two hours it felt like i was watching this thing for five hours yeah it's way too it, long it, the jokes fell flat now for their third project together meaning chris evans and ana de Armos, this one doesn't work for some reason it just felt like chris evans 
was just mailing it in. I didn't believe his character. It, the action was just standard. Okay, move on to the next set piece. Let's go. Let's go. Right. Oh, just I honestly I kept thinking because you look at the writer and uh, it was the Deadpool team pretty much. I, I believe. Know. I'm starting to lose it, faith in that now because we. How many times have we seen they've been writing? It feels like everything when it when it's not them. It's the same guys who uh, write for Rick and Morty. It's about it. Like there's like two guys who write. Uh, you know, uh, Hollywood action comedy now and. This one, yeah, we got burned before. Spiderhead, Six Underground, uh, the Zombieland sequel. Who cares? Like they, they had right. two, to me. They had two unassailable movies with Deadpool and Zombieland, and they've kind of really lived off that for a long time. Good on them that they get to work, but they don't need to write yeah. every goddamn it, action comedy. So this was a thumbs down for me. I, I kept thinking what would make this movie work. Maybe, And I hate to sound sexist or whatever. I think if it would have flipped the, the roles, it would have been, it would have worked a little better. Right. But, but I can see where they want Yeah. Going after a guy. Yeah, I, I know. It. I yeah. think, yeah, I get it. So I get why they did what they did. It just didn't work. I think I gave it a two out of five on Letterboxd. Just uh, go knit a sweater or go learn how to play <laughs> chess. Just don't watch this movie. <laughs> what a life you lead, man. That's a lot of stuff there. <laughs> uh, and this was, yeah, it's uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, which I thought was the lead singer of The Offspring. That is not the case. Um, <laughs> I know it's wrong. I'm being a jerk. Everybody, slow down. Because he was an actor. I know the name. Yeah, because he uh, he directed Rocket Man before this, which I mean, again, outstanding lead performance aside, I thought that m- movie was okay. So you know, it's probably enough to get him another movie. And I heard good things about Eddie the Eagle too, the movie he did before that. So you know, he's got some chops, but this movie is really not working Oof. for anybody. No, I think it's like thirty three percent on Rotten Tomato right now, which is about where it should be. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, I think in the five somewhere on IMDb I saw it too. So yeah, not working out critically. Thirty-five Metascore, yikes! Not doing so well for Ghosted. Uh, how about Dungeons and Dragons? Otter amongst thieves. Talking Oof. about Hugh Grant <clears throat> as well. This movie I've heard every you know I've heard relatively positive things, and I've heard that it's funnier than people expect. Uh, do you echo those sentiments? I do. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen this movie, but I did see it in the theater. And I'm not a Dungeons & Dragons guy, and I reluctantly went to this movie because it was raining. And I was like, you know what? I got in a movie pass. What can it hurt? Sure. I'm actually glad I saw it, to be honest with you. It, the only the only bad thing is the runtime was like two hours and 15 minutes. It, it felt a little bloated towards the end. But, man, Chris Pine was a great lead. He was very funny. He had great chemistry with M- Michelle. The whole cast had great chemistry. Him, Michelle Rodriguez. Uh, Reggae Jean Page, who shows up about halfway through the movie, was it's like deadpan funny in this movie. He kind of had that Drax sense of humor where he took everything literally. Well, he needed a uh, comeback after the Gray Man. I hated him in the Gray Man. Watch, watch your mouth. And uh, <laughs> Justice Smith was fine. Sophia Lillis, like, and you, Grant, man, like this guy is kind of in his bag right now, where he just plays like an an asshole. Like he, he's yeah. like he's good. He's like he plays a good villain. This movie was fun it was funny it had great action sequences the cgi was better than i thought it was gonna be i was gonna ask because some of those sequences in the trailer i was like 
Some were better than others, but they did nail most of the CGI. They really did. Good. I thought it was a good time in the theater. I think I gave it a three and a half out of five. It's definitely a thumbs up for me. Now, how this relates to the Dungeons and Dragons board game, I have no idea after watching it. Eh, Yeah. Whatever. I don't. I don't think it's hardcore. I think they just kind of use, from what I understand, like just a lot of the the nomenclature, the spells, the this t- kind of you know yeah. the character types that they use. It's it's a little better than what I think I remember from what was that the early two thousands one that bombed. Oh, I saw that yeah. in the theater too, and it was just boring and terrible. And, um, and I was surprised that this was uh, written partially written and directed by John Francis Daly. Who has given us several Spider-Man movies? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know he was attached to this movie. So, uh, you know, when it comes out to whatever streaming service, I would definitely give this a watch. If it surprises me, of all people, and I was so down on this movie, um, I think everyone have a good time with it, man. And I think it did decently well at the box office too. Do you think this has legs for a franchise? Ooh, I kind of hope so because I do like Chris Pine in this role. Yeah, but man, I think something. it can't. Yeah, he does, and I think you're right. The first two weekends they came out hot. Like the first weekend, I think it was tops at the box office. I don't know where it is right now, but I, you know, I I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel. I'll put it out there. Yeah, no, it's good to know, man. I, again, another one that was on my list to watch, but you know, it kind of not came and went. But like, especially as far as like our podcast assignments go, it's like if we're not going to do it one week, it turns into like. It gets put on the back burner, and then I end up waiting for it to come on, uh, you know, video there. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But I'm encouraged by your words, sir. Oh, oh let me sneak this in there. Uh, I guess one of the weird <laughs> spots in this movie it does have a guest cameo or, or a scene with Bradley Cooper. Oh, really? In this movie, yeah, huh. it really does. And it is. It's funny, but weird is all I'll say. That's perfect. No, that's great. That's good to hear. And speaking of Bradley Cooper, I guess the next action movie on our on our radar, I guess, has to be Guardians uh, coming up this weekend. We will definitely cover that next week. Anything else for action stuff that you're looking forward to? I know uh, the Citadel is now or Citadel is out on oh. Amazon Prime, right? I think the first yeah. episode. I think they're doing week to week on that one. They dropped two episodes uh, this past weekend. But as far as action movies... Uh, the trailer I just saw was Hypnotic, uh, Ben Affleck, directed by yeah. Rich Rodriguez. Had no idea that was coming out. Didn't hear anything about it. And then I saw a trailer for it. Comes out May 12th. Uh, that's the next, after Guardians, that's the next action movie that I will uh, be partaking in. Yeah, and, and Rodriguez, I mean, he's been mostly mired doing Mandalorian episodes as far as I can remember. I can't remember the last movie I enjoyed of his or even remember him doing do you, you have the uh, you don't spy enjoy kids? The spy kids franchise? <laughs> <laughs> I I think I've only seen the first one, but then my kids are actually into it, so maybe we'll uh, have to dive deeper. I guess uh, I'll have to look at his filmography, but I think the and this has been out for a while. But I do love the um, Planet Terror movie he did. The back oh, half loved of the ter- it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's probably, that probably the last my, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was it for me. Do you do the that uh, Once Upon a Time in Mexico too? He did. Yeah, so that I also enjoyed. Or at least I really liked Johnny Depp's performance in that, and uh, that was enjoyable. But again, we're talking like 20 years ago. 15, yes, 20 we years are. Ago. So, 
yeah, he kind of got lost in the shuffle there for a while doing TV and doing the Spy Kids franchise and all that. So hopefully that's a return to form for him. And, you know, also gives us more of the fleck this year. He's got a big year uh, so far with air as well. Um, anything else on your radar with that? So you haven't watched Citadel, right? I have actually. Oh, um, what's the early returns on that? What do we got? So far, it's so far so good. Okay. Uh, actions, action pieces, action scenes are great. I'm not sure about the the writing so far, but we'll we're only two episodes in, so okay, we'll see. R- Richard Madden from Game of Thrones doing a great job. I like him. Uh, Stanley Tucci is in this as well. Does a great job. Yeah. But uh, we'll see. It's it needs to be fleshed out a little bit more right now. But it's yeah. fun. I will say that it's fun. Yeah, and Chopper Jonas, I go back and forth with her, whether, you know, it's very role-dependent. And in fact, um, I think the last thing I even sort of saw or liked of hers was that uh, that Netflix uh, kids movie, like, We Could Be Heroes or whatever. I think she's, like, a yeah. prominent role in that. <laughs> like, I think that's the last time I saw her in anything uh, that I can remember. But, um, yeah, she's okay. So I- I'm interested. But, again, the Russo brothers need to prove something to me because they... They've really had a struggle since post MCU. So yes, they have. <laughs> I, I, I can't ultimately buy in, but um, yeah, of course we got the summer to come. Still, we got your Mission Impossible's. We got a, uh, you know, what else is coming? I'm I'm trying to like your Fast, obviously, which I can I can care less. Sorry, people, but um, you know, what? There, there's enough uh, action franchisey stuff coming. Yes, there is. I think you nailed most of them. I can't think of anything off the top of my head. To yeah, be with you. Was there any other trailers in the beginning? Because I came late to the movie, so all I saw was the Ben Affleck one, I believe, and Fast X, I think. Uh yeah, it was Fast X. It was uh, Hypnotic. Um, it was Guardians, and but nothing. Yeah, I can't remember anything else from the trailers. Yeah. Uh, uh the Jennifer Lawrence comedy one was there, but that's comedy. I forgot right. what the hell that was. I'm still in on that too. Because I like oh, her. Oh, I am too. I like her. Yeah. All right, man. So, yeah, a lot of good action stuff. We will definitely tackle Guardians next week, so be sure to come back for that. Um, also, if you're, again, a big fan of the action stuff like we are, uh, my latest review for what's on Netflix.com is up. It's the French action crime thriller, a.k.a., uh, which I did give a positive review. So check out the review. Uh, if you liked Lost Bullet, which uh, Shane and I both did, uh, then definitely check out. It's the same lead, and he is also the co-writer of the movie as well. So check it out. Uh, check out my review and check out the movie on Netflix right now. Um, anything else, Shane, before we get rock and rolling here? No, I think I think we covered everything, buddy. Excellent, sir. Good job by you, as always. Uh, be sure to come back next week for more recent activity. <laughs>